There were two more murders 15 miles away. Arrived, they found the telephone we have a, electricity a line weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. When we think female murderer, we think of a mother killing her children or a scorned wife getting rid of her husband. We don't often associate women with cold-hearted and senseless murders like we do when we hear of a male killer. On November 11, 1859, who would later carry with her a victim count to rival most men. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On April 28, 1908, the town of Laporte, Indiana was shocked when a farmhouse caught on fire and left inside were a woman and her three children. When the authorities entered the home, they found each of the children still in their beds and the headless body of a female adult. It was immediately assumed that the body belonged to the woman of the house, Belle Gunness. Police didn't have to do too much to find their prime suspect because prior to her death, Belle made it clear that if anything happened to her, it was at the hands of her ex-handyman, Ray Lampier. Then came the arrival of a man named Asil Hegelian, who claimed that his brother came to Lepore to be with Belle and was never heard from or seen again. He and a hired hand arrived at the farm to find the burned home and strange soft depressions in the ground. Upon investigation, they found the remains of at least 11 people, after which police stopped counting, at the Gunnis property. This was in addition to the four dead inside the charred home. What was going on at this farm, and who really was Belle Gunnis? Born on November 11, 1859, in Selby, Norway, Belle Gunnis moved to the United States in 1883 to achieve the American dream. She married her first husband, Mad Sorensen, just a year later, and the two owned a candy store that conveniently burned down and awarded the couple a large insurance payout. Then, oddly, the same thing happened to their home. And in 1890, on the day when Mads' two insurance policies overlapped, the man died of an apparent cerebral hemorrhage. She collected the money happily the day after his funeral. By this time, she was a wealthy widower with four children and used the insurance money to buy a farm on the outskirts of Laporte, Indiana. In 1901, she married Peter Gunnis, who died eight months later. Some sources say he died from a meat grinder falling from the tall shelf onto his head. Others state that he fell next to the kitchen stove and was burned with scalding brine. Either way, it was a freak accident that took Peter's life and Bell received a hefty insurance payout as a result. Prior to his death was the mysterious death of his infant daughter while alone with Bell. In 1906, Bell's foster daughter, Jenny Olson, went away to college. Her body was later found amongst the remains at the farmhouse years later. But Belle didn't stop her unique way of making money with just family. Because Belle, around the same time, put out an advertisement in the matrimonial columns of a number of large Midwestern newspapers. In it, she described herself as a comely widow who owned a large farm and wanted a man with whom she could join fortunes with. She goes on to state that no replies by letters will be considered unless the man is willing to visit and that, quote, triflers need not apply. And with that, several men traveled to Indiana with money in their pockets to meet Belle Gunnis and, unfortunately, their own death. 
It is estimated that between 1884 and 1908 that Bell, in addition to her family members and husbands, killed at least 14, but could be 40 or more. They would arrive at the farm, stay a short while, and be met with Bell's meat cleaver or poison, after which their bodies would be dissected, bundled up, and buried around the property with the help of her faithful and lovesick handyman, Ray Lampier. The problem was, Ray was getting jealous of all these men and began making a scene. Bell fired the man, and he began making threats. Around this time, the brother of one of her victims, Asil Hegelian, wrote to Bell asking about his brother, Andrew. She wrote him back saying that Andrew wasn't at her farm, and maybe he went back to Norway to visit relatives. He didn't believe the woman and wrote back saying he was going to come to the farm and see for himself. Assel began the journey to Indiana that would take until May of 1908, a month after the fire. Bell, with Ray's threats and Asel's manhunt for his brother, fell backed into a corner. She went to a lawyer and explained her fear, saying, in no certain terms, that if something happened to her, it was at the hands of Ray Lampier even going on to say that he threatened to burn her house down. Which brings us back to the fire. Ray Lampier was arrested for murder and arson on May 22, 1908. He was eventually found guilty of arson, but cleared for the murder charges. Just before he died in prison, he began telling the truth of what happened in the Gunnis home over the years, and that the fire was a means to an end once Asel came looking for his brother and, in a surprise twist, that the headless body in the home was not Belle, but another victim to allow for her escape. Doctors measured the remains and found some differences in the height and weight of the body in comparison to Belle. And, though her unique gold dental work was found in the debris, it is believed by most that she simply left it with the body to ensure it was identified as her. Over the years, there were sightings of the murderous woman, long after she was officially declared dead. To this day, there is no way to know truly if Belle died in the fire or if her plan to escape worked and she walked away a free woman. After all, with the murder of 42 men, according to Ray Lampier, she walked away with about $250,000 to live off of, which in today's money is roughly $7 million. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 12th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.